0: The information contained in this podcast is provided for your general information only. It does not give medical advice or engage in the practice of medicine. This massage podcast under no circumstances recommends particular treatment for specific individuals and in all cases recommends that you consult your physician or local treatment center before pursuing any course of treatment. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of our massage podcast. We are a massage co- podcast about massage, obviously, and the business of being a massage therapist. Everything from different types of body work, insurance, taxes, um, everything. I'm your host, Dawn Adkins, along with Elaine Kalenda, our massage expert, and Jorge Cisneros, our producer. We're massage therapists in the trenches. And so we're here to bring all kinds of information to those of you who are maybe just starting as therapists or who have been in the business for even a while and maybe have, need some fresh ideas and thoughts on massage world. You can find us at massagepodcast.com. Please leave us a, an email on our contact page, or you can leave a voice or text message at 303 303- 6569860. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter, of course. Um, today we have a wonderful guest. He's also been in the trenches for quite some time. We have Dirk McQuistian. He is founder and CEO of Massagespecialist.com, located in Boulder and Denver. He's been doing massage for 16 years, and he's here to share our thoughts of the standards of massage in the business world and what's uh, the future of massage and what's happening as far as education and the quality of therapists that are out there. Dirk, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. And we'd like to ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into massage therapy.
1: Well, I, uh, I originally was introduced to massage therapy when I um, was, I think, 15. Um, my father took me to get my first massage before the state cycling championships. I was a bicycle racer and I remember just feeling like altered um, afterwards and so relaxed. And so I, I was a bicycle racer kind of at the national and international level. And I received massage therapy a lot through my cycling career in order to really just uh, help with recovery and injury and speed, uh, you know, performance gains. Cyclists are kind of technical geeks as far as exercise physiology and stuff. So massage therapy was definitely something that was a competitive advantage. So I thought, what a great career. You know, people are always happy to see you and uh, they just beat a path to your door, right? And, And you work Just a couple hours a day and then you could ride your bike the rest of the day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good plan. Yeah.
1: Which turned out to be, you know, a little bit of a stretch from the truth. but
0: Yeah, I think we all start off that way. All right, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to work a couple hours a day. I'm going to make great money. I'm going to play, play, play. But we know that is um, not the case. Correct, Dirk? Well,
2: there's still room for play. Right. There always has to be room for play. But what we find is that we get, if we're good at our work, we get inundated with clients. And they take up that time. You can't say no to them, you know.
1: Yeah. And I, I think it's uh, I, th- I think what a lot of people don't realize is it's a business just like any other business. Certainly. And so it, it really is how you shape your life and how you make your career fit around your life, uh, as well as, you know, reach your financial goals. And
2: what was your massage therapist like in those days? I mean, where did they do you know where they went to school or? Um, her name was actually Laura
1: Jan Brooks, if you're out there, Laura. Hey, Laura. You're my inspiration. She actually was a physical therapist that became a massage therapist, Mm -hmm. and she uh, was a solo practitioner and uh, was working with our cycling team. She actually eventually got married to the director of my cycling team, Scott, and she was just very detailed and proficient, Mm -hmm. and I think she actually went on to work for Deepak Chopra at his clinic out in San Diego. Very cool.
0: Now, did you have a degree in something else before you went to massage school?
1: Um, actually, I am a twice dropout
0: mm-hmm. from yeah. college. Mm-hmm. I uh,
1: I started out studying business at San Diego State, and then I I took my first accounting class, which then made me decide <laughs> that I wanted. To I did switch that to accounting to, mm-hmm. to biology, uh-huh. um, <laughs> and so uh, I took a human anatomy class and did well enough in the human anatomy class that I was asked to be a lab instructor instructor. instructor the next uh, semester. Um, So I ran a cadaver lab. And so that really kind of opened my eyes. I I was like, this is really, really cool. So I started, I actually dropped out of San Diego State after that to go race over in Europe. And so I lived over in Belgium for um, a year. And then after I, uh, after I lived in Belgium, I actually returned to the United States. I actually quit cycling in Belgium because I developed asthma. Um, mm. And um, and so I, I kind of quit cycling and uh, moved to Colorado. I was a ski bum for about a year and a half to two seasons. And then I decided that I wanted to, I, I thought it, that I wanted to become an osteopath. Mm-hmm. And so I figured massage therapy would be a great way to work my way through medical school. And it would really teach me whether I really wanted to be with people in that way, you know, be hands-on with people. Mm-hmm. So, I went to the Boulder College of Massage, which was actually a place that Laura, my massage therapist, had said was a great school.
2: Did I, she go there or did she go to she a...
1: She did not go there, but she said, you know, out of the schools nationwide that have a great reputation, Boulder College of Massage, definitely. And there
2: you were. I remember um, yeah. back then you were just a little guy. Yeah. <laughs> you were just but like... That's a, right. Elaine was like one of my a, teachers. You were at what, 20 or...
1: I was uh, or... 20, I think I was 23. Mm-hmm.
0: 23. Yeah, I've seen that a lot of massage therapists who have evolved like you. It For me, it was also a, a means to another end. I'm going to go to massage school so I can make my way through something else for school. Right. And then ended up really enjoying massage. And as we know things, there's a lot more to massage than just being a massage therapist. And so you graduated in 1995, correct? Yeah,
2: I graduated in January. And, in and launched
0: right into a business which
2: well think about his background i mean that did prepare him uh, in a way that... Well actually I didn't launch right into a business.
1: I, I actually started I was in Boulder and you know as, as you know Boulder is chock full of massage therapists. Like you know I, I joke in a seminar that I teach that there are more massage therapists in Boulder than anything else and people decide than that, Starbucks. Than Boulders. <laughs> right. Then people drop out of massage therapy to be uh, they become lawyers because they couldn't make it as a massage therapist. <laughs> now, so I I actually got out of school and I said, I'm going to make it in this field. And a lot of my, you know, classmates were going and getting waiting jobs and saying, you know, I'll I'll wait until my practice gets developed, you know, and I'll work nights and whatever waiting tables. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to do that. I, I'm just going to go for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went out and I think I got two or three different jobs. One was at the Pulse downtown, which was this gym. And I, I think I did one massage in the first month working there. There was like
2: no business back then and, and being a male out, yeah. massage therapist. Yeah, that's um, the thing back then, especially.
1: It was, it, it's definitely more difficult. You know, it, I would say the cards are stacked against you. Um, 70% of the, of the customers, I think really, you know, either are homophobic or, you know, would be preferred to be touched by a woman. And so I got another job at the same time at a hair salon. And I think I might've done one massage. So I, you know, and I said, I can do better than this myself. So I didn't have much money. Um, and so I had enough money to either rent an office or to rent a place to live and so I actually decided to rent the office and I was homeless for 11 months <laughs> mm-hmm. and I slept in the back of my truck um, my mm-hmm. my office had a shower just in case those of you that are wondering yeah. had a shower in a kitchen um, uh, but yeah I, I just said this is gonna give me an intense drive to actually make my practice work and when I graduated from massage school I actually had one regular client that I knew would come once a week and so I said, you know, if normally in a normal job I would work <clears throat> 40 hours, I'm going to spend the other 39 hours marketing <laughs> because I didn't have any place to go. So, But I didn't have a whole lot of money, so I couldn't, couldn't take newspaper ads out or anything like that. So I, I figured the only way that I'm really going to be able to do this is word of mouth. So I have to figure out how to talk to people. And um, I think that's something that is not emphasized right now in massage therapy schools is is communication. And and let's face it, most of the people that come into the massage therapy profession, we don't do it because we want to get filthy rich. You know, I think that massage therapists tend to have kind of an altruistic nature. I mean, Mm -hmm. we get into the field because we love it Mm -hmm. and we like helping people. And and, uh, the first problem that I really was confronted with was how do I do this? How do I actually talk to people about coming to see me without feeling like a used car salesman?
0: Yeah. Which I'm sure is a big issue for a lot of us. Oh yeah. How do we talk to people?
1: So I had a lot of time sitting in my truck thinking, (laughs) how do I do this? And, um, at the same time I, I was actually, I was assisting classes at the Boulder College of Massage, um, in anatomy and physiology and, and um, eventually neuromuscular therapy. So what I did was I really started exploring kind of what the issues that I was having are uh, with regards to building a practice. And it was almost like improv acting by myself looking in my rear view mirror. You know, what would I say to somebody if, you know, or I, you know, encountered them in a grocery store or, and so what I, the reason that that started coming up is because I found that I was like, okay, so I, I have to figure out a way to talk about myself without, you know, feeling like a cad. And so I would go to, you know, parties and stuff like that that friends were having. And, uh, you know, we'd be standing in the kitchen, drinking beer, talking, and people would say, so what do you do? And I'd, say I'm a massage therapist and then they'd go well so am I (laughs) so I realized I had to uh I had to be more interesting than um that answer because the reality is is that people when they ask you that question they're really asking a lot more it's really who are you Mm -hmm. yeah and um and then the next leading question is and why should I come see you Mm-hmm. And so it, it's the, the thing that we do at Massage Specialists um, is we actually put everybody through this communication seminar um, that really kind of explores these stumbling blocks that therapists commonly encounter about just their own confidence in talking them, uh, about themselves um, and how they actually explore this thing of, you know, really how can massage therapy be of benefit to, to you
0: and for those of you who don't know, so he's gone from his truck and his little office to sixty massage therapists working at massage specialists yeah, there's would, about sixty yeah mm-hmm. yeah in you know combined Denver and Boulder
1: <laughs> yeah so we we actually have had up to three
0: locations we
1: we actually um we just actually closed one of the boulder locations down not through any uh, fault of our own but our our landlord um was a gym and, and we actually had to close that center down because the gym itself was not doing well. Our massage therapy center was doing well, but uh, they were losing their lease and had to move into a smaller space. So we actually had to fold that location back into our original location.
0: Are you going to find another, uh, a third location?
1: I think right now with the economic situation, I think yeah. I, I think we're going to wait a little while. A strong, yeah. We we went from basically one center that was booming in Boulder in two thousand and five to a big expansion down in Denver and a which we opened in uh two thousand and late two thousand six and we opened this one Boulder Fitness Center uh in January of two thousand five. So we opened two centers in two years and expanded to, uh, you know, almost twenty-two treatment rooms, you know, in, wow. in, in it's our very busy locations,
0: so you <clears throat> have obviously created a a high quality a, a vision, and you, I know you have a vision of even higher quality than you've already set in mas- at massage specialists right now. And so, what are some of the trends that you're seeing today in the massage therapy business and other chains that are? you are finding disturbing? What is it that's, um, that is bothering you about some things?
1: Well, I, you know, the thing that I, I, I'm i finding is um, that I really believe that the, there's been a lot of competition in the massage school industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a pricing war that actually is happening in the massage education industry where there are a lot of lower-hour, lower-priced educational programs. And I think the massage student-consumer probably is having a hard time differentiating. Um, I think that, I'll, and maybe you can count. Ca- on Oh, I'm just totally
2: in agreement with you. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, especially the community colleges that offer federal financial aid and, yep. you know, a $4,800 tuition. Uh, is, you know, for a lot of parents right away, that's going to beat out the 14000 right. or $10,000, $12,000 schools, which, you know, are much higher quality, been around for 25 years plus. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they don't see the difference though when they walk into one of those places and they've got you, uh, they give you a tour and suddenly you've enrolled, you know. They're yeah, also pretty yeah. aggressive. Yeah, so it's, it's one of those things that the, the outcome
1: is, you know, I think... And Elaine, you probably can speak to this more than I can, but I, you know, I don't know what the median age is. I think the median age of people going into the massage therapy field 15 years ago actually was a lot older than it is now. Yeah, it was. And I think it's become kind of, uh, rather than a profession, it's more of a labor trade where people say, ah, instead of waiting tables, I could make Mm -hmm. $15 an hour at Massage Envy instead of10 dollars an hour at 711 or McDonald's or something like that mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's an, for a younger age set, I, I think that's an attractive proposition. I think what used to happen 10 to 15 years ago was you had you know middle managers and executives from IBM that were saying, wow,
2: you know, I want to go from high tech to low tech.
1: I, I want to <laughs> go from high tech to low tech. I, I want to be in a different relationship with people. I want to truly be in a in something where I feel like I'm making a difference in people's lives and helping to change, you know uh, people's perspective. So I, I think the I think this pricing war has really created this outcome in the massage school industry which we are now seeing the downstream effect in the um, labor uh, market. Right. And As what, far
0: as quality? As is, far as quality mm-hmm.
1: of, of the people that I see applying, even my own school.
0: Yeah. they are pretty
2: tough on our students when they come over to do internships and stuff. <laughs> he tells it like it is. I've had a couple of guys come back crying. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but I say, well, he's telling you that, you know, you got to look at yourself and see on it. He's giving you... He's not mean. He's just giving you honest to pray. He's done this for years and he can spot, you know, somebody who's not quite getting it from a mile away. And so, even though it is tough, it's kind of like tough love because, you know, he loves the profession. And so I I try to, um, you know, sue them a little bit for that. But you've got, I I totally agree with you in this sort of conservative view of trying to hold on to those old ideals that we still try and, and, and insist that our students, um, you know, uh, develop their quality, not just of touch through their hands, but the communication skills and the softer skills that the other schools don't even have time for, never Mm -hmm. mind teach, you know. Uh, The 500-hour educational standard in this country in massage therapy is going up in almost every older school that's out there. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of older schools that offer just 500-hour programs. A lot of them are also offering the option to continue or um, to go into an associate program, but an associate program doesn't exist right now in bartending school. In in um, you know uh, a lot of the trade schools, dog grooming, and this is where we're, the category that we're at. We're a trade, and so th- we older schools and a lot of the educators were talking about developing and becoming more uh, part of the regional university. That's where we need to get in order to really become a profession that's in the healthcare profession that is clearly defined, but we're sort of all over the place right now. You can find a massage therapist at an airport, and you can find a massage therapist at an osteopath's office. Mm -hmm. So, and it's everything in between.
0: Sure. Where do you see a solution? How do you see a solution for this problem? Well, so, I mean,
2: a little more
1: discussion of what I think is happening in the industry is I think that there, I, I think this, this this competitive, uh, this competition in the massage school industry has been driven by a need in. There are some very low-priced massage chain stores out there. Multiple instances of them, and I think, although that's great on one level because it's it's getting more people touched. I think my my big concern is that those masses of people that are, are actually receiving touch now are receiving someone at uneducated, low quality touch that their their experience with it maybe massage therapy as a field doesn't really do anything. Yeah. It's it's purely palliative or it's fluffy.
0: I come across people like that all the time. Oh, you're a massage therapist. Oh and yeah, just, well I yeah. do that once a year. It's a nice treat. Yeah, and yeah. just <laughs> when
2: we were getting through to people that this is not a luxury, that it is a necessity to be touched. That were, uh, be,
0: we're affected by that. Yeah,
2: the just when we were tins. getting through to them and right. we hit the mainstream, mm-hmm. this started happening. So uh, the, the thing is, so we have a lot
1: more people out there getting touched, but I think we have a lot more low-quality touch. And, and my perspective on massage therapy is, is that it's a tool. It's a really important tool for people For soft tissue healthcare, for subacute pain, for stress, for stress, Mm -hmm. Um, but it can have a very technical application where it's, you know, great for treating lymphedema uh, after a mastectomy, or um, I, you know, I've had amazing changes in my practice where I've worked with this population of amputees that um, are now being fitted with uh, myoelectric limbs. Right, they're cool. Yeah, where, where you know, some of these patients came and they had been through just immense trauma, like crush burn injuries and industrial accidents. They'd lost uh, a limb above the elbow. They had lost all function in their shoulder. And um, they're in, you know, consistent, intense pain for years. And then they have an experience with massage therapy where not only do they get the function of their shoulder that they had five degrees of range of motion back to like 110 degrees of range of motion, but they now can lift the weight of their prosthetic limb. And then we are able to cultivate and develop, you know, uh, muscular conductivity. And for myocytes where they actually now have a usable limb where they, they have a motorized hand mm-hmm. that they can actually pick things up, pick a piece of paper up, which is, you know, really phenomenal it Was unheard of, Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's I mean, these are things that are available through massage therapy that no other field offers. I mean, this one particular patient that I think about was in occupational therapy every uh, two to three times a week for two and a half years before she came to see us. Mm -hmm. And within three months, we actually had full range of motion back in her shoulder and um, they the work comp system was originally thinking of kind of tossing her on the waste pile and saying, you know, she's incurable and she's milking the system to right. so advancing her to the, like the most advanced program of, wow, she's a candidate for a myelectric limb. We're going to invest $150,000 into this patient. Right on. Because this is a game changer. This is a life changer. So they're, they're like amazing stories. Mm-hmm. And for, you're right, it is a trade and it, it's a technical skill but it's one that takes years and years to cultivate. It's, it's like a master stonemason. It, that doesn't just happen out of stonemasonry school. Mm-hmm. You know, That's you right. have to have the clinical experience to do it.
2: And here's the thing that I'm hearing you saying is that we are blending into all aspects of healthcare, including uh, physical medicine, which heretofore had closed us out because we didn't have those letters behind our, the right letters behind our name. And I agree, while I agree with that, we also are an emerging profession and we have to grow into our own uh, healthcare, you know, uh, degree, mm-hmm. a proper degree. And uh, the thing is, yeah, I saw a guy walking in the park yesterday and it was like they just put that limb on him and didn't really teach him how to walk again because he was hip hiking to the unth degree. Mm-hmm. And if he had had several sessions of massage therapy, he'd be able to drop that hip, bend that knee better, lift that foot off the ground without having to hike so much. How great can we blend into all of the occupational therapy? I mean, I I think we could, you know, that deserves huge research to see just how fast and how much more improvement people could make if we combine those therapies. Because they don't know what we do and we don't know what they do, but together uh, we could do great things.
1: Yeah, I I really think of massage therapy as you know pre physical therapy. I, I you know I, I think that we've we've bumped heads some with occupational therapists, physical therapists, because I think at some point, you know, in some realms, they've felt like you know, hey, these people don't have as
2: much. I studied for six years. I have a doctorate. Who's this person with the, you know, the thousand hour program or the, you know, (laughs) 500 hours at school. But the
1: reality is, is that a lot of physical therapists, occupational therapists are actually starting to become fascinated and interested with our field because it is having such dramatic results results and Mm -hmm. manual therapists are um, getting results in, in areas that maybe they're not.
2: Right. And a lot of physical therapists are studying manual therapy, mm-hmm. uh, myofascial release in particular, trigger point therapy, and um, they've got to see the, that the results are there with that. Yeah, absolutely. And and the good news is, you know, because we don't want to be total downer, I mean, there are some so many good things, like so many more hospitals are hiring massage therapists. That's going to push the schools to increase that education because if you walk into a hospital with the 500 hours behind you, you're not gonna have your medical terminology. You're not gonna be able to read a chart and and understand blood count and things like this that you have to when you're working with cancer patients and things and, like that.
0: And if there are any listeners who did come out of a five hundred hour school We're not trying to put you down. No, that's not the point. There are so many, and we've had this on the show, there are so many great other certifications. There's orthopedic certifications. Continuing education, continuing education is key. That's how I did it. I had a Get 500 hour program educated. in 1977
2: mm-hmm. and I studied and studied, I still study.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
1: and I think I think most of us come out of school uh, really realizing how vast the field is and, and yeah. that it's just the beginning. I think the concern is, for me, is... Not that so many people are getting into massage therapy um, or even that the expansion of the field with, you know, the franchise model of massage is that. It's that the um, it's the attrition rate of of massage therapists and the demand of really the demand of the labor market is not such that um, they're gearing towards high quality models. Uh, it's really that they're gearing towards low quality models. When, uh, the franchise model of massage came out, it's something that we had considered probably two years. I actually hired the guy that started Arby's to, to look into franchising and we started developing a franchise model for massage specialists. And what he said to me, which I will never forget because it, it was the thing that really made me decide not to franchise. It was one of the things that made me decide not to franchise, was he said, you know, you're really too focused on the quality. He said, you're doing a very high quality model. And he said, you realize that you're not in the business of massage therapy anymore. You're in the business of selling businesses. And you need to come up with the lowest common denominator that you can sell and train a franchisee that is not a massage uh, a massage therapy insider. Somebody mm-hmm. that has never had any experience with massage you need to be able to train that person in two weeks how to run your business. Mm-hmm. That's the business you're in now with mm-hmm. franchising. Right. And I looked at him and I said, Ken, I don't think I can do that.
0: And you know, and to keep the quality of a massage, yeah, but like you're talking about, you'd also have to train somebody who's not a massage therapist how to deal with massage therapists exactly. and understand the psyche of all of us. Because we like, you know, we've said in meetings before, we can be moody people and it's not because we're refer, crazy,
1: but I refer to it as herding cats. Yeah,
0: Yeah. (laughs) that's I know. It's a tough one. You know, there's a lot of things about massage. Like we, we're dealing with mental, physical, energetic aspects of all of these people who deal with the mental, energetic, spiritual aspects of all of our clients. And so, you know, it can be really a tough environment for somebody who has no idea what massage therapists are like.
1: Well, the reality Mm -hmm. is, is that when I talk to people about managing massage therapists, when I talk to my managers, I said, you have to realize that we as massage therapists—you need to think of us like artists. Massage therapists think of this as a craft, as their art, as a as an outward projection and representation of themselves. It's a kinesthetic art of that they uh, exhibit in the world. It's it's how they do, you know, their work and so when you talk to somebody about their work it you it's something that is very personal to them it's their perspective on how to do body work. and so they they think of it like you know you're you that's the wrong color blue you mm-hmm. know yeah right <laughs> right
2: that's the right color don't tell me that's right <laughs> yeah. Color. yeah so yeah, it is. It's very well put. I never heard it put that way. And I've always tried to describe that with very thing that you're talking about. That's very interesting.
0: So just to backtrack a little bit about what we were talking about, you decided that you didn't want to head in the franchise way.
1: Yeah, um, there there were two things. I mean, to really be honest, the, the other thing that happened when we were, you know, considering franchising uh, back in, you know, I think, 2001 was... The city of Boulder actually shut down Broadway right in front of our store for a year. <laughs> oh my God! To do that construction, and, and oh. they rebuilt the bridge over Boulder Creek, and, and there was a—you could not actually get across the street from Alfalfas. Right. Uh, there was Remember a four-foot ditch that for five months that you couldn't cross. The only way you really could get to us is is to actually walk across a pedestrian bridge over the creek from. Boulder highs fields. Uh, That's like how cut off we were. So we were tremendously successful in the beginning. And and then that actually set us back probably two and a half years of progress where our sales probably dropped 45% almost within a week. Mm
2: -hmm. How are you ever going to predict for something like that? You can't. Well, they're going to dig up your street. Thank you.
1: Yeah. So, so anyway, to fill in the story, I guess. Um, so I, uh, so I started this practice and, uh, you know, I was living out of my truck and, and I actually set very specific goals for myself sitting in my truck, rehearsing, well, how would I talk to somebody about their low back pain with, and I, how would I actually get them to come into the, my practice without sounding like a used car salesman? And so I would set these very specific goals like I'm going to get seven new people into my practice this week by the end of this week. And I would go out and I would actually try and have conversations with people. um, And I would try and figure out how to be natural in that conversation. And, I, you know, I was challenged by all these issues about like, well, how do I I feel like I'm selling? I feel like I'm selling myself, you know, and um, all those insecurities about sounding
0: like a car salesman. Like a car salesman. I, yeah, I know. Yeah.
1: And and what would happen was the more I practiced, the more I learned how to speak about myself, um, the more comfortable I became. And as I became more comfortable, I realized some really important stuff. Like people are really intrigued by talking about themselves. Mm-hmm. So if you ask them a lot of questions about themselves. Mm-hmm. And also um, just that... If I talked about what I was passionate about, it really wasn't, didn't come across as selling. And I was fascinated by massage. I was enthralled you know, I was just excited about it. And that was really infectious, you know, and I would engage people in these conversations and then gauge them in talking about themselves. And then all of a sudden, um, pretty soon they would say,
2: do you have a card? Here we go. And that's when I would go, oh yeah. Yeah, got him. Got them, because once you you get them in the office, yeah. you know, and they see your work and they see what it's all about, you sold them. Yep, and then they're going to tell their yeah best friend and their someone who's got a something going on with them, and they'll send them in.
1: But the thing that I think most massage therapists don't realize is you have to get them in. You have to make the first move. You have to make the first move, and the fact is, you have to be spot on on your delivery I say in this seminar that I teach to um, my massage therapists um, how many times are you going to go back to a massage therapist if you don't get what you want Seattle right you got one chance mm-hmm. and so if you don't and then I say so what does that client lose if you uh, if you don't come back and they're like well you know 70 bucks an hour of their time. And I say, what do you lose? And I say, how many sessions does it take to actually, what's your goal? You know, 25 sessions a week. How many people do you need in your practice to have a consistent business of 25 sessions a week? Well, you only need 25 if they all come every week, right? Right. So so if you lose a customer that comes once a week, let's say 50 weeks out of the year, You know, you just lost $3,500 when that client doesn't walk back. And then we see a lot of eyes get really big. Mm -hmm. So you have to think of it like that. And it's not that each client is money. Right. But it's that a lot of therapists don't realize that if their delivery is not good, they're losing an opportunity, not just a monetary opportunity, but the the most expensive customer for you to get is the new customer. Mm Mm-hmm. And so um, the number of new clients that you're able to drive through your practice is very critical, uh, and it's totally based on whether, how good you are at retaining those clients. The less effective you are at retaining those clients, the more you're going to have to drive through your practice. when at Massage Specialists, we use this analogy of a bucket. And if your bucket has the entire bottom of the bucket missing, or 99% of the bucket missing, <clears throat> how much water do you have to... And it, fill it up. Got to pour an awful lot of water. In. It's work,
2: yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and the wonderful thing here that Dirk has done, and we had, um, who was the one who wrote the book on marketing yourself, the new book?
2: Jessica. I yeah,
0: think. Jessica. She was here, and she wrote a great book on how to market yourself, completely different than Business Mastery, and it's new thinking. And um, we were talking about how you have created a, a new scenario or a new place where the massage therapists are responsible for their clients. So just because working at a place um, doesn't mean you just show up, you still have to build your clients. And she thought that that was probably the best thing you could have done for the industry as where I'm sure, um, you know, a lot of people who do have jobs, they just show up and don't take responsibility for who they're bringing back or who they're bringing in. Don't think about talking to people outside of the work and they think, ah, I'm done. That's all I have to think about. And um, so that's what you have done recently to, for the business, for the industry. And I think mm-hmm. what I wanna know is what Jorge has to ask.
2: Yes, I have a question for Derek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember over 10 years ago when I was in massage school, uh, this is the first time I, I, I we, we, we met just half an hour ago. But obviously, I have been on your business for a long time. One of the things that caught my eye at the beginning was always the marketing, and especially going through the web, through internet. I remember clearly, massagespecialists.com, very clear. And me as an engineer made sense from the beginning, saying, "Yeah, this is where everything's going." And you know, we're talking about the beginning of the 2000s. But still, I'm uh, as of today, I'm still appalled seeing so many brilliant massage therapists or businesses who lack that presence on the web. So I wanted to ask you how important it's been for, for your business uh, using the, the, the internet.
1: Well, I may get long-winded here. This is uh, more of the story. What, so what happened um, was, as I developed my practice, I, I basically, within two months of um, starting to sleep in my car, I, I actually built a practice of 25 sessions a week. And um, within probably eight months, I was seeing 35 sessions a week and I was booked about two weeks in advance. And wi- by the time that I started massage specialist, I was probably four or five years into my practice and I was booked four weeks in advance and I was doing almost 50 sessions a week. Jeez. Um, and I said, this is unsustainable. I, I have to. I have to either you know, raise my rights to a level that I feel like only rich people in Boulder could afford, which wasn't really the demographic that I wanted to work on. Um, or I had to start hiring other people. And so I started hiring other people and this was before we opened Massage specialists. And I, I, um, I start, I actually, by that point, I had actually gotten a place to live and I was actually living in a bed and breakfast in the basement of a bed and breakfast. I was the night manager and I got free rent and I had been, I was saving my pennies for um, hopefully buying a house in Boulder or doing something else. And um, we started doing on demand, on call um, service for all the bed and breakfast in Boulder and the hotel Boulderado and stuff like that. Um, And then I started going out and I was actually contacted by Quantum Hard Drives, which is a hard drive manufacturer in Louisville, about, because I had been specializing in repetitive strain injury and dealing with um, carpal tunnel syndrome and stuff like that. This is right around 1998, and um, I actually got asked to come out and do a presentation to them on um, what they could do on their assembly line to prevent repetitive strain injury. And I implemented an onsite massage therapy program. And that's when I started, started staffing massage therapists out there. And then I started approaching other companies and came up with this idea um, of assessment, treatment, and re-education of worksite injuries. So I actually started presenting ergonomic seminars and return and exercise programs, in addition to staffing massage therapists, and doing ergonomic evaluations at companies. So this was right at the, you know, the lead up to the dot com boom, and all of a sudden we had twenty five different corporate accounts: IBM, Cisco Systems, Level Three Communications, Quest, um, Net Library. We had all of these big companies. Uh, um, And so I had a client say to me, why don't you build a website? And I said, what, and have some hands on the screen where people would turn their back to the screen and pretend like they're getting a massage? Mm -hmm. I mean, why would you build a website for a (laughs) massage therapist? And uh, he said, no, no, just so people can get your information. And so... I said, mm, "All right." Begrudgingly, right. I, I was actually really kind of against it. Um, but then I went to some of these corporate clients and I said, "Hey, what would you think about being able to schedule online? Not knowing at all, what would it would take to do that? Um, I had no background with software or anything like that." And so they all were like. Yes, we have to have online scheduling. So, and the reason that I wanted online scheduling was because I saw the possibility of decreasing the amount of overhead of having a person on the phone because some of this, you know, places that we were doing on-site massage, we were scheduling 15-minute massages or 30-minute massages, and it was taking five to seven minutes to schedule that massage on the phone. So it was very cumbersome. I was like, this cannot work. So... I started exploring building a website with online scheduling, and I spent a tremendous amount of money on software development. But I believed in the leveraging that capability initially because I thought that it was going to save time, which it did. But that's not really the true advantage of the web. The true advantage of scheduling or collecting data online, and this is what Google and Yahoo and all is The data, the database, data mining, being able to actually look at statistical behavior of your clients and collecting information so that you can contact your clients as well as optimizing resources. So as we grew very rapidly and we had these multiple locations, we had a certain finite amount of equipment where um, we were trying to maximize the usage and utility of the equipment. So we wanted to make sure that if we had a massage chair going out to level three, if we, you know, we could do these 15 or 20 sessions and then have that equipment back so that we could go to Ball Aerospace. And so what became clear was that not only were we building something that was sustainable, I think the whole problem with selling your practice really is people go, okay, well, you know, this is your practice and, um... How do I know that your customers are going to come to me if I buy your practice Right, as a solo practitioner? As a group practitioner, you know, or as a group practice, part of the ability to sell your practice eventually is will it continue to run without you? Do you truly have a client base that will continue or are you the magic behind the practice, Dirk? And what I did was I actually changed the name to MassageSpecialist.com because at that point I said, you know, I actually had started the company in 1997. It was called Corporate Health Systems. And I changed the name to MassageSpecialist.com because I really realized we're really massage therapists more than anything else. And that was, we I was doing this ergonomics work and I was doing these... Um, seminars. But more than anything, massage therapy was growing much faster than any other segment of what I was doing. And I was the only presenter. So I real, I, I said to myself one day, you know, I want to figure out how to make money while I'm sleeping. Mm-hmm. Passive income. Our <laughs> favorite thing. <laughs> or, <laughs> favorite
0: subject. Or I
1: want to learn how to, you know, I want to be able to make money when I'm on vacation. Mm-hmm. And so that was the original. I want to
2: take a vacation.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I want to. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or I want to be able to go for more than a week without my practice suffering. Right. Yeah. Which So I really started, to answer your question, uh, I really started out thinking that it was to leverage my reception desk. But soon it became um, all about the data and realizing that we can start looking at practices, comparing therapist A to therapist B and looking at what's happening in their practice to truly identify the the qualitative functions of their practice. In other words, what are they saying that's working or not saying that's working? And we can see how well you retain a client within 30 days, how busy you are, um, how effective you are at creating retention and frequency of, of your clients. And so that's what we've done at massage specialists is we've we've actually taken this data uh, base and started applying it to the qualitative questions of what actually makes a massage therapy therapy practice work and then how do we train therapists instead of saying huh well therapist a you know we sent 30 new clients this quarter or 70 new clients this quarter and they re- retained 5% of them on the surface, years ago, that was like, wow, this person's really busy. The reality was is they were a hole in the bottom of the bucket. They were really busy because we were pumping all this opportunity through their practice, which they were losing all of it. Whereas these other therapists were busy, but they got much less opportunity for new clients because they just didn't have as much time to see those clients. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, um, the, the concept of using the web or the web presence, to me, it, was, it wasn't it was so much about marketing. At first, I thought that's what it would be. And then I thought it would be a time-saving device. The reality is, is that what it's become is a convenience for our clients. Probably 40% of all clients book online. And then probably another 20% of our clients actually call us with our website up in front of them and talk to us on the phone because they want to interact with a human but they say, I see you have a 715 appointment available with Dawn or Elaine or whatever. And, um, and then they may say, you know, can you tell me more about does she do this or does she do that? Or, you know, who would you recommend mm-hmm. for my plantar fasciitis? Mm-hmm. It's become a much deeper thing. And I'm, I'm glad that we made the investment. Um, we built it originally because we thought we were going to franchise, and I thought that it would be the, the leverage point for franchising, um, which I still think it is really important. We stopped development on our own internal software probably about six years ago, and, the, and what you see on Massage Specialist is actually very, very old technology. Um, it is It still works, and we still use it to book
2: gosh, probably over 25,000 appointments a year. That's a lot of success. Uh, When it comes right down to it, the conversation we're having today just screams success. I mean, from rags to riches story. But still maintaining integrity.
0: Exactly. Quality. And quality in the massage world.
2: That's a real
1: accomplishment. The thing that came, you know, I told you about the whole conversation I had about franchising and realizing what I was interested in being involved with, with massage therapy was not the lowest common denominator. The next question when franchise models came out and a lot of the low price competition came out, I said to myself, how do you beat this pricing model? I mean, how do you beat this? And I realized um, that there was a great example here in Boulder and it uh, it's called McGuckin's Hardware. And McGuckin's Hardware is this hardware store that's in central Boulder, It's massive. Uh, It's probably as big as a Home Depot is, um, but it probably preceded Home Depot by 20 years. And the thing about McGuckin's hardware is that you go into McGuckin's and there are all these old guys in green vests standing around in the aisles and there is one guy on every single aisle and that's his aisle. And he knows everything there is to know about his aisle. Mm -hmm. And he's worked at McGuckin's for a long time. (laughs) And so I looked at that model and I was like, you know, how do you beat a low price franchise competitor? And the reality is, is quality. You beat it with quality. You know, the answer is nobody can compete with quality. You know, if you've got better quality, people are willing to pay a higher price for it. McGuckin's is more expensive.
2: But it's so fun. I mean, there's no
1: place like it. There's no place like it. And the fact is that you get what you want and you don't spend 30 minutes looking for a guy in right. an orange
2: fest. Right. Mm-hmm. And these odd things, you can find <laughs> yeah. the odd things, you know, the the, the 50 year old grate that you need for your basement drain. Yes. You know, I went to Lowe's and I went to Home Depot and I, and I couldn't find anyone to help me. And I got to ring a bell and wait. Went to McGuckin's in five minutes. He put it in my hand. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and it was and the you, right thing, and the you right paid price. Paid a dollar more. and not even probably yeah. going to get great advice on how to had to fix things. Yeah. So, so Mm -hmm. so
1: I, I felt like, you know, that was a, that was a stunning realization is, you know, what we have to build is quality. What we have to focus on is quality. And in massage therapy, it's kind of, it's counterintuitive because the reality is, is that the way that you focus on quality is by having great therapists. And the way that you have great therapists is by training them. And the way that you hold on to the client is by holding on to the therapist. So you have to pay the therapist something that's a livable wage. You have to, you have to treat the therapist like a deep investment that you're making. Because the reality is is that the company's, the company's reputation is not going to hold on to the client. Massage therapy is a very sticky product. And people get stuck on their massage therapist. It's mm-hmm. a very, very Absolutely. intimate and personal
2: relationship. Just like their hairdresser or other exactly. people that you know yeah. in the service industry.
0: So, from there, Dirk, we've kind of had a, a roundabout conversation, which has been <laughs> fabulous. No, I mean, I think these are all things we haven't really covered in any of our shows. But as a business owner, you're input a successful business owner, at least I see it that way, right. Yeah, successful. Some, yeah. <laughs> um, it's important to talk about the things we discussed in this show. And we have a tip of the week, every show and a tip of the week for our therapists. And it can be anything that you, comes off the top of your head, like how to take care of yourself. Uh, last week, Nate said, have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but to help us, uh, a therapist grow. As a massage therapist, what do you do? You have any idea or a tip that you'd like to convey to people out there?
1: Yeah, I have. I have kind of two tips. That's um, great. One is know what you know. It's the most important thing about exemplifying your expertise is actually knowing the limits of it, and you will never sound like a used car salesman if you actually know what you know because you're speaking about your own experience. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I would say is be specific. The reason massage specialist is called massage specialist is because I want people to become specialists. I want them to get specific. I want them to, you know, find a niche in the field of massage therapy. And when they're interacting with clients, it's imperative that they get very, very specific about what the client's looking for and about what kind of results they are getting for the client. Because the fact is, is if you don't dig deep, you're not going to get deep results.
0: Mm -hmm. Very good advice. And if somebody wants to get a hold of you for any reason, questions, a job, Mm -hmm. training, your time, even a massage, because he's still practicing, uh, what is the best way to get a hold of you? I would say
1: um, probably email. Okay, um, Dirk at massagespecialist.com. It's D I R K at M A S S A G E S P E C
0: I A L I S T S. Okay. And we'll, have a, we'll have a on link on our website. Yeah. We'll have a link not only for massage <clears throat> specialists, but we <clears throat> can also put a link for your website as well. Absolutely. And um, yes. So, Dirk, thank you so much for taking your time out to come by and talk about everything you did. I think it was. A great show and there were a lot of things that made a lot of sense. And I think some people are gonna be thinking about this and everything that you said, not only for themselves, but in the world of massage in general. And we'll hopefully be getting signed up for some continuing education classes and get specific. Yeah. So join us for our next podcast, which will be Thursday, August 4th at one PM. And contact us at massagepodcast.com on our contact page or send us a text or voicemail at 303-656-9860. Come chat with us during live recordings and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Dirk, thank you again, and everybody have a great day. Happy massaging. Thank you.